The Morning Blend, a triple shot of Catholicism, conversation, and coffee. David and Brenda start your day with a fresh cup of joy and inspiration, whether it's through interviews, news, music, or prayer. It's all viewed through a Catholic lens. It's The Morning Blend on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Day Radio. And a very good day. Tuesday morning to you. It's August 8th, 7 a.m. David and Brenda with you on The Morning Blend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I just saw this. This is a big national day today. It is. Did you know that? Please tell me it has something to do with food. It does. <laughs> Those are my favorite national holidays. Well, I don't know if you're going to like this one as much. Okay. This is National Sneak Some Zucchini Into Your Neighbor's Porch Day. What? Yes. That's not my favorite. <laughs> well, I told you, you, you probably wouldn't be. <laughs> this is the time of year. If you grow zucchini, you know what they're talking about. Yes. A couple of zucchini plants is all you need in your garden, but somehow we put three or four, and then we've got too many zucchinis, and then they start to grow like giant they're gourds. Huge. They're huge. <laughs> yes. We've actually had people leave us zucchinis on our porch. <laughs> So thank you for that. I do miss, uh, in our backyard, before that was developed, there was a, a family that lived there that had a farm. They had chickens and uh, goats. Yeah. And so when I would grow zucchinis with the kids and we'd get those big giant ones, we'd just take them over mm-hmm. to the fence line and the goats would come running. They loved them. Oh, see, there you go. I was It was doing my part to keep their goats healthy. Yeah. What don't goats love? But yes, yeah, zucchini is a good way to do it. You know the best thing you can make with zucchini? What's that? Zucchini bread. Zucchini. Is that the best yes, thing? Yes, that's the best thing right there. You put some uh, walnuts in there, and uh, that's pretty good. That's so, good eating. So back in the day, it seemed like the one way that any vegetable had to be cooked was steamed. Mm-hmm. Right? Little water, steam it, and that's how you get it. And then everything yes. would get soggy. I'm telling you right now, if you take those giant zucchinis that you get, slice them thin and make yeah. you know rings out of them, a little olive oil and garlic and grill them really mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. They're pretty Not good. Yeah. Almost, uh, real substantial. You could even, like, if you're a vegetarian, you could use that in, like, a a, a veggie, like, burger. That could oh, be, sure. like, the portion that would replace right. a hamburger. Yeah, like I've had beet burgers that are like that. Okay. They use large, large beets, and that's your burger patty is the beet patty. Yeah, I like zucchini. I, I don't dislike zucchini. So I do something similar, only not on the grill, but I will take it and slice it up. I get the smaller ones, you know, mm-hmm. and, and slice them up, and I'll put them in a cast iron pan. Oh, almost like a stir fry. Yeah, like a stir fry, and throw some olive oil and some seasoning in there, and yeah, just sizzle them up, and they're good to go. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a no. zucchini uh <laughs> cooked well no there's not <laughs> that's for sure yeah so if you want to put some zucchini on your neighbor's porch today today's the day to do it okay if you have some growing in your garden do you like squash overall like yellow squash oh, sure. sure yeah absolutely i do i like many kinds of squash there's the acorn squash too that are, mm-hmm. are good uh those downright get sweet almost yeah. like a pumpkin yeah you you make those you just cook those down and i just a little butter and scoop them out with a spoon oh yeah delicious uh, we would take those and cut them in half, scoop out the seeds, and drizzle them with olive oil and a little brown sugar. Sure. And then bake them in the oven. And that you way. bake those. Yeah. Yeah. Those take Pretty a good. little while. 
But yeah, I'm I'm okay with uh, all of those various vine growing vegetables. You know the ones we've been eating most recently in the fall when they come on, delicata squash. What? Yeah, they're really good. They're kind of uh, they're an oblong kind of a yellow and black striped squash and those are really good and you can eat the skin. So like if you if you stir fry those up, which we do, yeah, they're very uh, very good. Well, so okay. look those up. Well, I feel like I am just incredibly healthy uh, this morning compared to yesterday when I finished off a couple of Rice Krispie treats for my breakfast. And there's more. There are more out there. In fact, David, for our listeners today, hopefully you've seen on social media, stay with us this morning. You get to meet the Echeverias. Yeah, that's great. They were in yesterday. They were fun. She makes great Rice Krispie trees, let me tell you. Fantastic. So if you're listening... Thank you so much. They're fantastic. So what do you got coming up today? Well, that, uh, uh, along with that interview, 78 years after the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, Archbishop Aachen of Seattle joins in a pilgrimage of peace. He is in Japan right now, and I'll get you an update on his trip. All right, and we'll talk about uh, city and county officials asking you to be careful on the roadways. That's coming up. All right, we got a great show ahead for you. Here is Ali Aliyah and Jealous Love. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. That is Ali Aliyah and Jealous Love. It's 708 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. David and Brenda with you on the Morning Blend. So you had a great time yesterday. I had an incredibly enjoyable time yesterday. Yeah, so you're going to hear from the Echeverias right after the forecast. 
Support for Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Join Mater Day Radio and Holy Cross Priest Father Jim Gallagher in prayer with the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for sin, for the intentions of all my friends and associates, and in particular, for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including University of Portland, dedicated to excellence and innovation in the classroom. Ranked as one of the top colleges in the West by U.S. News & World Report, the University of Portland is home to robust undergraduate and graduate programs in its Colleges of Arts and Sciences and its Schools of Business, Education, Engineering, and Nursing. Learn more at up.edu. In your hands, O Lord, we humbly entrust our deceased brothers and sisters. Mater Dei Radio joins Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services for a special rosary for the faithful departed on Wednesday, August 30th. Cards will be available to request a special intention for your loved one. Deacon David Hamus will lead the Holy Rosary and Litany of the Faithful Departed at 12.30 at Gethsemane Chapel in Happy Valley and 2.30 at Mount Calvary Catholic Cemetery in Portland on Wednesday afternoon, August 30th. Be a part of this uplifting time of peace and renewal. For more information, search the keyword Rosary on the community calendar at materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary Media app. Unite with us in this powerful prayer session for Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services and Mater Dei Radio. Leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is 7-11 at Mater Dei Radio. Kind of similar as yesterday weather-wise. Morning clouds then becoming sunny later today. High of 85 degrees. Mostly clear overnight tonight. Low of 62. Then tomorrow, tomorrow night, just a slight chance of a shower. About 20% chance of rain. Little cooler. High of 80 degrees. And then you get back to Thursday and we'll start to see sunny skies again. Start to warm up as we head toward the weekend. All right. Well, currently 64 degrees at the Proto-Cathedral of St. James the Greater in Vancouver. And 65 degrees at Ascension Church in Portland. I've been fortunate here at Mater Day Radio to interview such a wide variety of people. And some of my favorite times with guests have been with our seminarians, our transitional deacons, and our newly ordained priest. Deacon Justin Echeverria has been joining me throughout the summertime to give us just a little bit of an insight into his life and his pastoral year that he is serving at Christ the King Church. 
But what I rarely, in fact, where I have never been able to talk to is the family of our future priests. Well, that changes today. I am so excited because Deacon Justin has brought together his family for a wonderful conversation about what it's like when there is a priest in the family. Deacon Justin, along with his parents, Lily and Rick, and for this first half of our interview, Sister Emily joining us from California. Good morning, everyone. Deacon Justin, thanks so much for bringing everybody together. Good morning, Brenda. Thanks for having us. Before we get to the whole family, and we've got so much to talk about, just remind our listeners a little bit about how you came to know your own vocation and when you realized that God was calling you, in fact, to the priesthood. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of started in the beginning, just in the sense that I came from a domestic church. My Both of my parents are Catholic. They prayed with us. They brought us to the sacraments. We went to Mass every every weekend as a family. Uh, so I had that foundation, the the Catholic imagery in our household. We were in Catholic, you know, all my siblings and I went to Catholic school from kindergarten at least through high school. My Two of my siblings went to a Catholic college and I, uh, I went to uh, a non-Catholic Christian college. Uh, and then my young, my middle brother, Derek, went to a non-religious school, but Purdue University. That was for my dad. And um, yeah, so I I had that foundation that when I finally made the decision, this is after college and when I was in the workforce, uh, it was a lot easier to have because it wasn't super foreign to my family because we even, we knew priests growing up through school. We even invited some, you know, we, we knew some priests from UP who we invited to our home to celebrate mass on occasion. So it was just a lot of good. Um, the Catholic culture was very strong in my, uh, in the household. With every household, we recognize the importance of parents and especially the role of a father in the lives of their children and especially their sons to guide and lead our faith journey. Rick, it's wonderful you to join us today for you. Did you feel a responsibility as the father is the head of this household with your wife to bring these children up in the faith? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was it was always a fundamental part of uh, our our relationship as husband and wife. Lily and I are high school sweethearts, so we've known each other a long time. We dated six and a half years before we got married, and I always remember from the beginning, growing up in high school, that Sunday night was always the time for us to go to church together, and then post-college, and once we got married, that continued to get stronger and stronger. Uh, and I give Lily uh, a lot of credit because her faith is so strong, and she is really the foundation of our home and she uh, and she also is has 51% of the vote for the most part so when she says we're going in one direction we're going in one direction and in this case we were all very blessed that she had Christ the Lord Mother Mary which she's very devout to and the, the overall you know Catholic upbringing of the kids and how we conduct ourselves and what we prioritize has always been front and center so we're very blessed to be led by her. If you are just tuning in, I'm joined today by Deacon Justin Echeverria. He's been joining us throughout the summer in wonderful conversations and topics about some of the things and questions that oftentimes kids have about the faith. But we have a very special opportunity joined by his parents, Lily and Rick. Lily, I have a mother's heart, too. Over these times that I've been to have the opportunity to talk with Deacon, you know, to share in your thoughts as a mother. So what does that mean for you? You know, for your children, you you pray for their vocations, but oftentimes we just have the idea that we'll we'll raise them in the faith. They'll go to high school and college. They'll meet somebody, get married, have children. Well, for you, did you pray or ever even think that one of your children 
would be called by God to become a priest? Honestly, I no. <laughs> so when Deacon came to you, when at how old was he when he came to you and said, I want to become a priest? Was that a shock to you? Or did you find a sense in him from maybe an early on age that God was calling him kind of in a special way? I think um, that even besides me, other people that grew up with him would they were not surprised. Um, he loved religion when he was in Holy Trinity. He would read Bibles for fun. Um, and so it was not a surprise. And he mentioned something in, at the end of high school. There were some mentioned throughout college two different times. So when the real mention came, we were not in shock. Really? Tell, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? That moment? Um, to be honest with you, we, I think that is very normal to say, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? This is not an easy life. And as a Catholic, we want future priests with the true, true vocation. Um, but he said yes, and we forgot all our worries and jumped the wagon of supporting him and and all this wonderful journey that that is just like a ble a blessing in our lives. Dick and Justin, do you remember that time when you came to your parents and you finally said, absolutely, this is where I know God is calling me? Did you have a sense of trepidation or uncertainty as to what you thought your parents might say? Or did it feel very natural? I was terrified. Were you? Yeah, it was Divine Mercy Sunday of 2017. In April of 2017, I will never forget when I finally, that whole day, I was like agonizing over telling my parents. And then I finally, I just, the way I remembered was we went to get dinner at Chipotle nearby. We came back and then my parents were in the laundry room folding the sheets, I think, or something. And I called them into the kitchen and that's when I told the news. But it took a while for me to get it out. Okay. Uh, and then, but when I, when I finally blurted it out, um, there was, yeah, that, that sense of, are you sure? You know, is this really what you want to do? But also at, at the time, I think my mom actually was the one who said, well, I was 25 at the time. It's like, well, you're 25 years old. You got to make your own decision. You got to be your own man. I think that many parents would be surprised in the middle of an ordinary day folding sheets, how life can make a turn. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing. Have Deacon Justin's been here throughout the summer. Have you enjoyed being able to experience his, his diaconate in, in a unique way? Lily, has it kind of helped uh, confirm in your own heart and mind that Deacon Justin's doing exactly what God's called him to be. Yes. Um, it has been a wonderful year, aside from having him coming home every weekend. Um, but share that journey and see um, we now, Rick and I, go to Christ the King Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings and to see how that community has embraced Justin Deacon Justin, and um, how they love him and support him, and to see the wonderful mentorship relationship from Monsignor Sayak, who's a giant. Um, I will ever be grateful to whoever decided to send Deacon Justin to Christ the King. I will always be grateful to that community and Monsignor Sayak. And seeing, because he shares stories with us, seeing his pastoral um, ability or it has been very reassuring. I think that he was born to do this and and to understand that even when we have a 
Super Bowl party, he will get there late because he went to um, bless a home for a parishioner. So we are all also learning that is first. And if we get a little bit of him, it's great, but we need to share him with the Lord and the Lord's people. As deacon so often would point out to us a priest, and as he's experiencing now as a transitional deacon, the entire parish is his family mm -hmm. and he is the father to so many and that's the way that deacon you experiencing that joining us also this morning deacon justin's sister emily is joining us from california good morning emily thanks for joining us on the morning blend hi thank you so much for having me so emily you are just one step down in the family lineup you are younger sister to deacon justin so growing up i mean of course now we know his vocation is to the priesthood did that seem like he had maybe that holy glow about him from just a very young age? Yeah, I, I also, I don't think any of our siblings were surprised when Justin told us he was discerning into the priesthood. Um, maybe not when we were very, very little, but I think around high school, it was starting to become a little bit of a thought or kind of more exposed to the rest of us. Um, I'm also the closest, like you said, in age to Justin, we're only two years apart. So we went to high school together. Um, and like we were driving the car together in the mornings and whatnot. So I think I was a little bit closer to like seeing what he was going through than uh, the rest of our siblings. Oftentimes siblings know the story before their parents know. Did you know before your parents that, uh, you know, he, this is what he's going to do? And then in those close conversations that siblings have, did you ever try to dissuade him going, look, Justin, we see how life is for priests. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Did you ever have that ability to have those conversations before the big announcement, we'll say? Um, not really, to be honest, because I, I also remember when Justin, like the moment Justin called me to tell me he was going into the priesthood and I was driving in my car um, to go shopping <laughs> and he called me and he was telling me just that that was what he wanted to do. And I just remember being like trying to compose myself because I didn't really know what the appropriate response was, but I felt elated. I felt happy. It was like that was the experience I was feeling. Um, and so I don't know, Justin, like exactly what I told you, but I just remember being like, wow, congrats. That's exciting. I never once was coming from, are you sure about it? Um, and Actually, I, yeah. I already knew my parents had that covered because my parents are, I mean, that's more of a parent role. I feel like as siblings, we're just there to be more supportive and like lift Justin up and be his, um, you know, protector in a way too. So yeah, I think that was more of my parents' role. Yeah, I think uh, the the most specific thing I remember, besides all the support, was when Emily said, uh, if anybody that you know is not going to support you in this, they're not your, hmm. you don't need that in your life. That's it. I do remember that. Fantastic. Yeah, I think I, I got very, like, in that moment, protective. And I think even now, more so, too, as Justin's continued down his journey. Um, I mean, we're all very... Um, like strong and opinionated and I think, you know, loud and outgoing. That's just kind of how we were raised as a family. And so it's always been, if one of us is hurt by somebody, you know, we're kind of like an army against them, you know, mm. in, a, in a sense. So, um, you know, for, for me and I know for Derek and Alex too, 
we have felt this responsibility to, you know, protect Justin against, you know, some hardships that may may come down the line as much as we can. So I love that. You should all have matching shirts that say Team Echeverria. You are amazing. And I've said that to our own kids. The whole world outside is trying to drive wedges in between the families. So inside the walls of this household, we're together. Mm -hmm. We're together on it for sure. Well, it's been a wonderful conversation. I'm already up against my break. Emily, thank you so much. We're going to say goodbye to you. But you mentioned Derek and Alex. The brothers, they're coming up in our next half hour. So please stay with us. We got a great conversation coming up. And it is 724 at Mater Day Radio. Look forward to hearing the second half of that interview. Hey, if you haven't downloaded our Hail Mary Media app, please do. You know, it's free. So you can get so much information from the Hail Mary Media app. Access to our exclusive audio, video, and text prayer library. Tune in to live broadcasts of Mater Day Radio. Even sign up for customized prayer reminders, all on the free Hail Mary Media app. Find out more on our website at materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Dear St. Jude, please help me to do well so that I may support my family. I promise to return your blessing. And here, I give you my last dollar to show my faith. With that prayer at Mass in a Detroit church, God used the son of Lebanese-American immigrants who had a deep Catholic faith to bring healing to the world. Danny Thomas went on to success as a Hollywood entertainer and worked tirelessly as one of the founders of St. Jude's Hospital. St. Jude's offers hope to the sickest of children and their families being at the forefront of cancer research and treatment. Cure rates have soared to over 80%. More than 7,000 children are treated there each year, all for free. Like Danny, we are called to show our faith and God will answer our prayers. This is Michael Gisandi with a bit of Catholic encouragement. Summertime is a great time to drive the open road. Unless your old reliable wheels just aren't up to the task anymore. You know who could use that old car? Mater Day Radio. You can donate most vehicles, cars, trucks, vans, RVs, and boats to Mater Day Radio's vehicle donation program with the proceeds supporting a faith-filled Catholic broadcast and in return getting yourself a likely tax deduction. More information on our vehicle donation program at materdayradio.com. Some are morning people. Others are not. Either way, we help start your day off right. The Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. And it is 727 at Mater Day Radio. Well, please drive carefully. That's the word from city and county officials. We'll explain in the news. And Archbishop Aachen on a pilgrimage of peace. I have an update from his journey to Japan. Here is the thirsting and dreams. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio. 
If you're lost inside a dream And stuck in in between Waiting for the answers to your life And if you're searching for a sign And you're down to your last dime You're hoping for more time to make it right Well every road takes a bend And every tree sways in the wind The journey is the end where it begins And you will fly high tonight You will fly The Thirsting and Dreams. It's 7.30 at Mantra Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. In your news this hour, on the 78th anniversary of the 1945 atomic bombing of Hiroshima, Archbishop Paul H. and, and the Pilgrimage of Peace delegation from the Seattle and Santa Fe Archdiocese participated in an interfaith prayer ceremony and a peace memorial ceremony. Archbishop Aitchen wrote on his blog about the interfaith ceremony at the Atomic Bomb Memorial Mound that was led by the Hiroshima Prefecture Federation of Religions. He said it was hard to fathom that with just one bomb, this entire city, along with some 140,000 people, died as a result. Far more than the tens of thousands gathered this morning to remember them. Since the bombing on August 6, 1945, many more people have died from radiation, poisoning, and other illnesses because of the bomb, and survivors still carry physical and psychological wounds, the Archbishop said. The Pilgrimage of Peace seeks to establish relationships with the bishops of Japan to work toward uh, uh, abolition of 
nuclear weapons while expressing our heartfelt sorrow for the devastating experience endured by their nation, according to the official pilgrimage site. After the interfaith service, the Seattle and Santa Fe delegations walked to Hiroshima Peace Park for the annual peace memorial ceremony attended by more than 5,000 people from more than 110 nations. City and county officials are imploring people to please drive carefully on Portland area roadways as the number of fatalities are fast approaching record levels. At a gathering in front of Portland City Hall yesterday, City Commissioner Mingus Maps said July set a 10-year record for deaths in one month with 13, with 44 traffic deaths so far this year compared to 39 by the same time in 2022, Portland is on track to exceed last year's record-setting death toll, according to Portland Police Sergeant Ty Engstrom. Pedestrian fatalities have driven much of the increase in traffic deaths since the pandemic, officials said, with a record 28 pedestrian deaths last year, nearly double the pedestrian deaths in 2018. Engstrom said the city is ramping up traffic enforcement with more staff now on the traffic division, reversing some of the drastic cuts made during the pandemic. Clark County is acting on a similar topic this week. Clark County Public Works is launching a campaign about driving safely in roadway work zone. The campaign is part of a pilot project that will test several strategies to share work zone safety messages with drivers. Staff have been reporting an increasing number of incidents, including collisions and near collisions, while they are working in construction zones on county roads. In one incident, an employee was struck and dragged by a car as the driver recklessly drove through a road construction site. Echoing staff experiences, national, state, and local data shows that traffic collisions, especially in work zones, are on the rise. To encourage safe driving in work zones, Public Works is reminding drivers to check their routes for delays before heading out on the roads. Expect delays and identify alternative routes. Keep distances from other vehicles, slow down and pay attention. Follow instructions of all signage and flaggers in and near work zones. And drivers should also remember that traffic fines double Mm -hmm. in work zones. Please slow down. I'm not quite sure what's happening right now, but it does feel like to me, too, drivers on the road, they're a little more impatient Mm -hmm. than they have been in the past. So we all just want to get there safely and get home safely. Definitely. Well, at least 21 marine animals have washed ashore dead throughout the San Francisco Bay Area in the last week. Potential victims of the return of the same toxic red tide that killed thousands of fish in the region last year. An algae expert in the Bay Area says that the red tide is associated with the same algae bloom that was the culprit behind last year's event. So far, people have observed dead marine animals in multiple areas, including the Berkeley Marina and Albany Beach, as well as several other locations. The carcasses reported so far include sturgeons, bat rays, Chinook salmon, and striped bass. Algae blooms produce a toxin that is deadly to fish and other marine animals. As the bloom spreads, bacteria in the water consume the algae. The process depletes the water of oxygen, which risks suffocating fish and other creatures. Scientists are optimistic this year's algae bloom will not be as severe as last year's, but still too early to tell. 
Oregon lawmakers okayed a $90 million cost overrun for a massive capital renovation project this year, ratcheting up spending by nearly 25%. Since 2016, lawmakers have embarked on a systematic overhaul of the aging statehouse, paid for with tax revenues that have consistently exceeded economics expectations. The first two phases tackled outdated buildings, updated entrances to be more accessible for people with disabilities and took steps to seismically retrofit the building's office wings. Last year, lawmakers approved a third phase of the project, by far the most ambitious and more expensive. It will secure the main piece of the Capitol in case of an earthquake, add sprinkler systems, and more. Beyond seismic and safety upgrades, the third phase is slated to add four hearing rooms, offer a brand new Capitol Cafe, and revamp work areas for journalists and lobbyists. Project managers say there's no single reason why the phase of the project has ballooned in costs. Documents submitted to state budget writers show inflation. It's taken a large bite. Mm. Have you ever been in the Oregon State Capitol? Not ever. Really? I've been around it. It, of course, is, we'll just say it has a different look than other state capitol buildings. It's beautiful inside. Is it really? Oh, yeah. You walk into the rotunda area and these huge murals, it's marble inside. Yeah, really, really pretty. Nice. In sports, still a few weeks to go before the college football season kicks off, but the first official national rankings have been released in the USA Today coaches poll. Both the Ducks, the Beavers, Huskies are all in the top 25. Oregon ranked 15th, while Oregon State comes in at 18th. Other Pac-12 teams in the top 25, USC is 6th. University of Washington, 11th, and Utah, 14th. UCLA and Washington State also received votes. The top five, number one, Georgia. Georgia. They're at tops. They're the defending champs. Sure. Michigan, two. Alabama, three. Knew Ohio, they'd be up yeah, there. Ohio State. Yeah, these are all, you know, kind of <laughs> the same ones as always. Michigan, two. Alabama, three. Ohio State, four. And LSU, Louisiana State, round out the top five. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. This evening at 7 o'clock is Catholic in Recovery Meeting at St. Paul Catholic Church in Eugene. The community of St. Paul Parish in Eugene invites those in recovery from alcohol or any unhealthy attachments as they discuss recovery topics and pray. The Catholic in Recovery meetings are both in person in the church hall and on Zoom. Your confidentiality is protected. Remember, you can find details on these and other events. Go to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. And Brenda continues her conversation with the wonderful Echeverria family right after the forecast. Support for Matre Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Join Mater Day Radio and Sister Anne-Marie Warren in a prayer for vocations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom and divine love, 
Impart your knowledge, understanding, and counsel to youth that they may know the vocation wherein they can best serve God. Give them courage and strength to follow God's holy will. Guide their uncertain steps. Strengthen their resolutions. Shield their chastity. Fashion their minds. Conquer their hearts. And lead them to the vineyards where they will labor in God's holy service. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. This is Archbishop Alexander Sample of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, inviting you to join me for the Voice of the Shepherd. I always look forward to our time together to discuss issues that matter most to our families and to the Church. Catch the Voice of the Shepherd with Portland Archbishop Alexander Sample and me, Dina Marie, your host, each Tuesday night at 7.30, Saturday afternoon at 3.30, and Sunday morning at 7.30 on Mater Dei Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. 741 at Mater Dei Radio, kind of a similar day as yesterday. Got a few morning clouds out there, then sunshine later in the day. High of around 85 degrees, so it's still going to be a little bit warm out there today. And then for tonight, a few more clouds, low of 62. And then Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, maybe a slight chance of a shower on Wednesday. Then back to partly sunny skies for Thursday. Currently 62 degrees at St. Henry's Catholic Church in Gresham. And 61 degrees at St. Mary's Church in Eugene. And I am back on a very special morning. It is all in the family here at Mater Day Radio. Deacon Justin Echeverria is joining us today. And I have a wonderful opportunity to talk to his mother and father to get a parent view of what it's like to have a priest in the family. Now, we had a wonderful conversation in the first half hour, but now we're going to get the fun going because the brothers are joining us. Deacon Justin's brother, Derek, joining us from Dallas. Alex joining us from San Francisco. So we have a full crew this morning. Deacon Justin, thanks so much for getting the family together. I'm glad it worked out. Deacon Justin, you are the oldest in the family. Then your Mm -hmm. sister Emily is next in line, who we talked to in our first half hour. And then down the line came Derek and Alex. Mm -hmm. Was there an age difference that made you feel like you are the responsible older brother? Or did you all kind of get it mixed up when you were growing up together? I think the, the, the clearest one was Alex, because I remember most vividly going to the hospital at uh, St. Vincent's Hospital over here and holding him as a baby. I, I must have been maybe eight years old. So that, that with him and I, the, the, the gap is wide enough that there, there's like the big brother, little brother, but almost like a fatherly. Like I look at him still as, even though Alex is no offense, even though he's a 23 year old man, he's working, I still see him as kind of a kid only because of the, the age difference. Like, oh, you're my little brother. But at the same time, like, oh, you're, you're becoming your own man. And it's kind of like, well, he's, and same with Derek too. It's like seeing both of them, like, holy cow, you're, you're, you're both growing up. Like when I went to Derek's apartment in Dallas, I'm like, oh man, this is incredible. My younger brothers, who I remember when my mom was pregnant with them are now living their own lives and very successfully, I might add. Derek, I asked Emily this question, so I want to ask you this question also. Looking back over the years, and of course now we know that Deacon Justin has his vocation in the church, did you get that sense that 
Yeah, the the Dustin had a different call than the rest of us, or were you just thrown for a loop when he told the family one day, I'm going to be a priest? Well, it's actually, honestly, a little bit of both. Um, so when we were growing up and, you know, in the last couple of years, um, I don't know if the rest of the family remembers this, but I kind of uh, talked about Justin as the metaphorical plow of the family. Um, you know, being the first kid, you obviously have to go through everything for the first time in the family, you know, you don't have a roadmap or any of that, any of those type of things. So, you know, Justin was that guy that paved the way for the rest of us to, to be successful. So, you know, kind of in that way, Justin leading by example has always been, you know, at the head of my mind. Um, But when he started talking through his vocation and his calling, um, I was definitely a little bit surprised at first, just because I, you know, was not expecting that. And he's the oldest brother, you know, it was just kind of, kind of shocking from that aspect. But, you know, at the end of the day, Justin has been one of the most morally upstanding people that I've ever, you know, been with throughout life and a great example for the rest of us. So, you know, after the initial shock, it was just kind of felt pretty natural to me, I would say. Alex, as the, I won't say the baby of the family, but you're the youngest in the family. And Deacon Justin just mentioned about how he took on, came this older brother, you know, kind of look out for you role. Did you find now that he is a deacon in the church going to become a priest? Has that changed your relationship in that? Do you feel like you've got to be on better behavior, that the things that you found funny before he was a deacon, you feel like you can't cut up or maybe use colorful language in the same way because, well, Deacon Justin is such a holy older brother now. Yeah. uh, Well, first I will uh, let you know, I don't take any offense to being called the baby of the family. They constantly refer to me as that, especially my mother. So (laughs) there's that. Um, I mean, Justin, as an older brother, he was always my, um, always looking out for me. I remember vividly him helping pull my teeth when I was losing my teeth when I was really little because uh, I was afraid to do it by myself or afraid to have one of my parents do it. But, I mean, to be honest, um, you know, yes, he's a deacon now of the church, which is awesome. But at the end of the day, Justin Justin is still my brother, um, and I love him very much, so... um, are there certain things maybe I won't bring up? Yes, but uh, I think we still keep it as normal as we ever did and still do with each other. Deacon, it sounds like life when you're at the parish has its own requirements and the way that you put yourself forward. Sure. But it does feel like in the walls of your household, you are who you've always been, and it's kind of that safe place for you to just maybe take off the collar and take on that role again of Justin. Does mm-hmm. it feel that way for you? In some ways, yes and no. I mean, cause it's like, well, you know, even though I take the collar off, I'm still a, I, I still am an ordained minister of the, of the church. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, like when I went to visit Derek in, in Dallas, Texas, this, this past winter, it wasn't like, Oh, the deacon is coming to make a call. It's like, I'm going to visit my brother. And I remember I went to his apartment and he, he works for Frito-Lay, so it was kind of nice to <laughs> have some of the some of the chips that he wanted me to try. And even like his his girlfriend came over and she had dinner with us. We had some good Texas barbecue and then we watched Airplane and we were laughing hysterically. Or the day after or 
yeah, the day after ordination and my whole family came to Rome, uh, my siblings, uh, minus my sister and brother-in-law, they had, to, they, had to, they had to split from us, but we went to Assisi and I remember we were going to lunch and Alex cracked a joke of like, so now that you're a, a deacon and we're here, like, are we, are we part of some, you know, are we now a powerful family? Like in the, you know, 500 years ago in the church, you had like the Medici family and the Borgia family. And he, but he had it with like that. Alex has kind of a smirk that like, if I look at him, I'll, I'll start laughing. Sometimes he, he just, he can drop something with a very serious face, but dry humor. It makes me just crack up. And he said that and I was like, no, Alex, we're not. I'm a deacon. We're actually very poor. <laughs> Uh, if you are just tuning in, we are continuing our conversation with the Echeverria family. Of course, all summer long, Deacon Justin has been joining us on the Morning Blend to just give us his insight and thoughts on different aspects of the Catholic faith. But today, well, it is a family affair. The whole family is in. Derek and Alex joining us today, brothers of Deacon Justin. So, Rick. I would love to ask you this. You have these three sons. There is uh, something wonderful about having these boys to support each other. Do you feel like growing up then that you had a responsibility as a father to raise sons in this world to remain strong? Did that, that weigh heavy on you? And were you able to maybe come across in a way that your sons yeah, kind of maybe tried you from time to time? Oh, they did. They they. <laughs> Well, they, they always will. You know, my father used to say, one thing you have to get used to is even though your your boys get older, they're still your sons and you still have to guide them. But I have to say each one of them has brought tremendous joy. Uh, the way they love each other, the way they are willing to talk about each other. And, you know, Emily isn't here, but one of the highlights of our life so far was when she, during her wedding, each of these boys got to get up and do and speak about their sister and just their willingness to express their love, uh, to cry, to laugh. Uh, each one of them is a gift. I find myself that on the trivial stuff, on the day-to-day stuff, I used to sometimes lose it very quickly, but it's in the moments where things are tougher with the boys that I actually find the Holy Spirit most present. And I can tell you of really deep conversations I've had, obviously with Deacon Justin, Derek, we've had a few of them he knows that and also with alex but all out of love and i think you know that's the one thing that just i admire i think lily and i have set the example we we each have set the the importance of the role of the father and the mother we're not debating which role each one plays i think i had to instill in them the work discipline the focus uh the bring the best of yourself to the world because you're going to make a better place and i still remember telling justin that frequently uh, the world's going to be better off when you give it your best. And I think all all three boys do that time and time again. I'm incredibly proud of them. I love them. Lily, we were, had an opportunity to have Emily on with us in the first half hour. And we know as a sister and as the only girl in the family, I'm sure she was beautiful and wonderful to raise, unlike boys. <laughs> so I'd love to ask you this one. In your household of boys, who was most likely to come in after curfew? Derek. And who was the son <laughs> most likely to leave uh, dirty dishes where they weren't supposed to be? Alex, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think okay. it was Alex. And then what about the uh, the smelly gym bag and the clothes that came home? Who was the most likely to leave a trail from the front door to where they ended up plopping themselves in the afternoon? I think they all knew that they had to either <gasps> put it in the laundry or give it to me. 
I run a very tight. <laughs> Lots of rules. They can all say that. Can would you agree with that, Deacon? Oh, when you walked into the garage of our house, we had this we had this poster from when we went to get when we went to visit Alcatraz in San Francisco, the prison, where it says you are entitled to, I think, food, clothing, and medical assistance. Everything else you get is a privilege. Not that our house is a prison, we, we, but there were, there were rules. Derek and Alex, do you agree? Absolutely. Um, Definitely, yes. Uh, it's just wonderful. I've had just the best conversation. It's been wonderful to, to talk it to, to all of you. Before we go, Derek, I did ask uh, your sister the same question. When Deke and Justin came to the family and said, this is going to be my path forward, did you also feel that sense like you became very protective of your older brother, that he'd been always the one that looked after you. But when he made this uh, proclamation of his vocation, do you did you feel a sense that, well, that that this is somebody now that, you know, no matter what the world threw at him, you felt a need to protect and pray for him? I think so. I think in a way we as the siblings kind of have a responsibility to um, not break down the stigmas and the notion, but you know, be clear supporters of what Justin is doing. I think that's extremely, extremely important for us. Um, but in terms of being like a true protector for Justin, you know, I know he can hold his own. Um, but like I said, you know, we're always going to be here for him and defend him when we have to. In today's society, with all the things going on in the media and all that, you know, we definitely have might have a tougher path than than most families, but. You know, so long as we stick together and continue fighting the fight and spreading positivity, we'll be okay. As I said when I opened up our conversation, this is such a rarity to be able to have a whole family in together to talk. And what truly blessed time it is. So, Rick and Lily, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you both for the gift and the the offering of your son, uh, Deacon Justin, to the world and to our local community. We're so very happy, and I can tell that you're all very proud. Derek and Alex, thank you so much. I guarantee you when uh, Deacon Justin is ordained, I'm going to be watching to see if you guys try to make him laugh from the congregation while he's up on the (laughs) altar. So thank you all both for your time today, too. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Deacon, again, thank you so much for sharing your family. Before we go today, will you end us in a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this time we were able to get together as uh, here in modern day and as a family. No matter how far away we are from each other physically, we're always together in Christ and in our, in our blood, especially as a biological family. And through the intercession of St. Joseph and our Blessed Mother, I ask you, Lord, that you bestow your blessings on all families, especially in this day and age. Strengthen them, nourish them, and protect them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for your time today. We appreciate all of it. And for our listeners, if you want to listen to that interview again, please go to our website, materdayradio.com. You can access the podcast. You'll also catch it on the Hail Mary media app. And it is 7.55 at Mater Day Radio. Great interview, Brenda. That's a lot of fun to hear from the family like that. It is a rare opportunity. Again, we've talked to seminarians, transitional deacons, priests, and newly ordained. Rarely the opportunity to talk with a family. I got the sense, too, 
that if you were to go to their home on any particular holiday, birthday, special event, you're sure to have a good time. They are definitely a family who love each other, who love the Lord and just you know, make the most of every opportunity to be together. And of course, Deacon Justin going to be heading to Rome here. He's just got a few more weeks left. I I think the second week, first or second week of September. Appreciate the Echeverria spending their time with us yesterday. More from the Morning Blend right after this. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. This is Modern Day Radio, KBVM Portland, Salem, Vancouver, KMME Cottage Grove, Eugene, Springfield, Translator K235BF, Eugene, and streaming at moderndayradio.com. Hi everyone, this is David from Mater Day Radio's Morning Blend. I would like to invite you to check out my new podcast, On The Go, where I have a chance to visit with coaches, musicians, artists, and more. We go a little bit more in depth with the podcast, which hopefully gives you a little more insight into the good folks we talk to. It's On The Go, available on your favorite podcast platform or Mater Day Radio's free Hail Mary media app. I'll talk to you soon. It's good to the very last drop. The Morning Blend on Mater Day Radio. Leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. 757 and Mater Day Radio and some rough weather hits the East Coast. We'll have the details in the news. And as the war in Ukraine rolls on, food insecurity around the world on the rise. I'll have that story for you right after Awaken the Saint. Hey everyone, I'm Sophia with Awaken Catholic and this is Awaken the Saint. Joan of Aza was a wealthy Spanish noble who just wanted a child. She had difficulty conceiving and began praying at the shrine of St. Dominic of Silos, the patron saint of pregnancies. She vowed that if she were to conceive a son, she would gladly name him Dominic in the saint's honor. And in no time at all, she was holding her baby boy Dominic in her arms. While she was pregnant with Dominic, Joan was given a vision of a dog running with a torch in its mouth, setting the world on fire. This later came to be the symbol of the order he came to found, the Dominicans. His mother also saw a shining star in his chest at his baptism, giving him the later patronage to astronomy. When he was old enough to attend seminary, Dominic began his many years of studying and growing in church teachings. He devoted six years to the arts and four more to theology. One year, it was said that he gave everything he had to the poor, arguing that he couldn't study knowing that there were people dying in the streets who had absolutely nothing to their name. Once he was ordained, Dominic began his lifelong work of clerical reformation. Heresies were running rampant throughout Europe, especially in France, and Dominic wanted to bring back the love of the church and her teachings. He saw a need for a new order that was devoted to education among the faithful, thus beginning the Dominican order. As years passed, it started to look as if the battle against heresies would never end, and Dominic grew disheartened in his mission. It seemed that for each heresy he finally put to rest, five more would pop up somewhere else yet again. Beginning to think his efforts were pointless, he received a visit from Our Lady who offered affirmation that what he was doing was definitely not in vain. He was told to do one simple thing, pray a daily rosary. He was to take the devotion and teach it to anyone who would listen to him, 
Although he isn't actually the one who created the rosary devotional, Dominic was the saint who made this powerful devotion so well known. It consists of repetitive prayer that helps us enter into the big moments of Christ's life and even reignited the faith of this holy man. Dominic came to be known for many visions and miracles during his lifetime, nothing shy of bringing people back from the dead. On one occasion, he received a vision of a beggar who is also destined to do many great things for the church in her renewal. The following day, he stumbled upon the beggar. Filled with joy, Dominic embraced him and said, you are my companion and must walk with me. If we hold together, no earthly power can withstand us. Dominic was with St. Francis of Assisi. As Christians, it's important to constantly remind ourselves that we're not in this journey alone. We have the holy men and women and even each other to lean on when our own faith runs dry. We even have powerful tools like the Holy Rosary to guide our hearts back to the mission of the faith to reunite with our Lord and Savior in heaven. Knowing these things, let us go forth with a renewal of faith and keep our brothers and sisters within arm's length to help us fight the good fight. St. Dominic of Guzman, pray for us. Thank you for tuning in to Awaken the Saint. And that is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the saints or to pray with Mater Day Radio, please today download our free Hail Mary media app. You can find all of the details also at materdayradio.com. It is 801. And in your news, more than 400,000 homes and businesses were without power early today after severe thunderstorms battered a large swath of the eastern U.S. a day earlier and left at least two people dead. In Westminster, Maryland, dozens of people were trapped in cars for up to five and a half hours Monday after severe weather toppled power lines onto the vehicles on Route 140, state police said. Drivers waited for hours while crews worked to de-energize the power lines to get them out. 33 adults and 14 children eventually were rescued and no injuries were reported. Monday's storms killed at least two people, including a 28-year-old man who was struck by lightning in a parking lot in Florence, Alabama. At one point Monday, more than 40 million people stretching from New York South to Tennessee were under tornado watches. In a statement issued August 7th, the chairman of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops Committee on International Justice and Peace called on global leaders to do more to ensure food security for all. Bishop David Malloy of Rockford, Illinois, cited numbers from the World Food Program, the global humanitarian organization addressing food security, that estimated about 258 million people in 58 countries experience crisis-level acute hunger in 2022. Malloy pointed out that prior to the Russian invasion, Ukraine was considered Europe's breadbasket and was the origin for large amounts of wheat, corn and barley, as well as almost half of the world's sunflower oil, all flowing through ports on the Black Sea. Those ports were blocked when Russia invaded Ukraine. Last June, the Holy Father appealed for the end of the blockades that were preventing the flow of grain through Ukrainian seaports. The statement acknowledged the war in Ukraine is not the only reason food insecurity has risen globally over the last few years. Natural disasters, the pandemic, regional wars and other conflicts have also contributed to high rates of hunger. 
Bishop Malloy ended the appeal by the bishops with a poignant reminder that many of our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering. He said the most vulnerable are crying in hunger with the compassion of Christ. We need to heed their cries and help. William Friedkin, the filmmaker behind the 1973 movie classic The Exorcist, has died at the age of 87. The Chicago-born Friedkin got his start in television and documentaries, logging his first film directing credit with the 1967 musical Good Time, starring Sonny and Cher. Just four years later, Friedkin's highly acclaimed motion picture, The French Connection, earned four Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor for Gene Hackman. Friedkin's next project was The Exorcist. It went on to earn 10 Academy Award nominations. It stands as one of the highest-grossing films of all time, adjusted for inflation. The film reinvigorated the horror film genre and spawned five sequels, the most recent of which, The Exorcist Believer, debuts October 13th. Friedkin passed away in Los Angeles. No cause of death was given. Uh, the original was enough for me. I didn't need to see a remake. Yeah. I didn't need to see a sequel. And I definitely don't need to see the October 13th one coming out either. Yeah, you know, I did not realize that the original Exorcist was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. The horror movies do not get that kind of recognition. Yeah. Fire crews busy on Monday in the area as they responded to a parking garage roof collapse in northwest Portland just after midnight and put out a large tire chip fire at a tire recycling facility in the St. John's neighborhood a few hours later. Crews responded to the roof collapse at Northwest Flanders Street and 4th Avenue shortly after midnight Monday. An auto repair business was using the garage to store fleet vehicles and cars under repairs. Multiple vehicles stored inside the garage were damaged when the roof came down. No injuries were reported. An investigation is underway to determine what caused the collapse. A few hours later, Portland fire crews responded to a tire recycling facility where a large pile of tire chips was burning in the St. John's neighborhood. Crews used an aerial stream of water from the ladder truck to put out the fire and an on-site worker helped by using a bulldozer to spread out the pile so firefighters could put out hot spots. Portland Fire said crews will return throughout the day yesterday to make sure the pile doesn't flare up again. The cause of the chip fire also under investigation. And in sports, what a week it has been for University of Portland runner Laura Pelicoro. She just won her second World University Games title in the women's 15-meter, 100-meter event. Pelicoro's double victory at the meet in China made her the only athlete in the meet to win more than one event, male or female. Similar to her 800-meter victory, Pelicoro had to fight down the home stretch to earn her 1,500-meter title. In a dead sprint finish with Vera Hoffman from Luxembourg, Pelicoro came out on top. Now, with the World University Games completed, the pilots will shift their focus toward the cross-country season, which starts on September 1st at the Linfield Opener in McMinnville. St. Dominic, founder of the Dominican Order, was raised by a saintly mother who was beatified by Pope Leo XII in 1828. Her name, according to tradition, was Jane 
of Asa. The Catholic Encyclopedia extols her holiness and the fruit of her example that is found in her children. It says Joanna of Asa added a nobility of soul, which so enshrined her in the popular veneration that in 1828 she was solemnly beatified by Leo XII. The example of such parents was not without its effect upon their children. Not only St. Dominic, but also his brothers Antonio and Mainz were distinguished for their extraordinary sanctity. Antonio became a priest and Mainz became a friar preacher. The Benedictine Friar Foundation also points to her example of holiness. It is widely believed that Dominic's keen sensitivity to the suffering of others, which he displayed from childhood on, was acquired from his mother, who, although from a noble family, was known for her compassion toward the poor and needy. From her, Dominic also acquired the habit of prayer. The tradition also states that when pregnant with Dominic, Jane dreamed of a dog leaped from her womb, carrying a torch in its mouth and set the whole earth on fire. The name of the Dominican order itself seems like it's a pun of the importance of this dream with Domini Canis being Latin for dogs of the Lord. Mm. Little else is known about Blessed Jane, but she is still revered by members of the Dominican Order on August 2nd of every year. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. This Friday is the 29th annual Jim Altenhofen Golf Tournament at Glendevere Golf and Tennis Club. The St. Vincent de Paul Benefit Tournament is held in memory of Jim Altenhoffen, who dedicated his time and talents to Portland Council. Money raised after expenses will assist the St. Vincent de Paul Emergency Services Fund in distributing and administering food, rent, and utility assistance. Remember, you can find details on these and other events. Go to the community calendar, materdayradio.com, and the Hail Mary media app. Hey, we have a homily highlight coming up from Father Bill Moissant at Resurrection Church right after the forecast. Support for Matraday Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Catholic Charities of Oregon, answering Pope Francis' call to charity. Since 1933, Catholic Charities has been putting faith into action by serving the poorest and most vulnerable in our community. Services promote life and help families thrive. Catholic Charities Program Information at catholiccharitiesoregon.org. The average smartphone has more than 40 apps installed, and most of them are never used. Clear this clutter from your phone and make Matraday Radio's Hail Mary Media app your go-to spiritual resource. It's got everything you need to grow in holiness, including a huge library of enriching prayers, liturgy of the hours with the monks at Mount Angel Abbey, and a personalized schedule of your daily prayer reminders. The Hail Mary Media app also contains a stream of Matraday Radio's live broadcast, podcast of our original shows, including programs not heard on the radio. Plus, you'll find fun things to do on the interactive community calendar, Catholic news, and so much more. 
The Hail Mary Media app has everything you need to grow closer to Christ all in one place. Download it today. Search Hail Mary Media in the iOS App Store, Google Play, or MaterDayRadio.com. Declutter your phone and turn to the Hail Mary Media app from Matraday Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. It is 8-11 here at Mater Day Radio. Mild morning temperatures starting the day today. Morning clouds are still lingering, but those will clear out. Lots of sunshine into the afternoon. Daytime high is going to peak in the mid-80s again today. Overnight, we're cooling off to 60. Then for Wednesday, mostly cloudy. Afternoon high right around 80 degrees. A weak disturbance is moving through, bringing the possibility of some sprinkles later the day and into the evening. All right, 57 degrees at St. Philip's Church in Dallas. And it is 64 degrees at Our Lady Star of the Sea Catholic Church in Stevenson. Need a recap of Sunday's readings? It's time for Homily Highlights on Mater Day Radio. Today's Homily Highlight from Father Bill Moissant, pastor at Resurrection Church in Tualatin. St. Peter tells us in our second reading this morning from his second letter, we are not lying. We are not making up fables. We're not telling stories. What we are doing is testifying. We are witnesses to what happened on Mount Tabor. As we heard in the gospel, Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John up a mountain. Tradition is that it's what is known now as Mount Tabor. People from Oregon would not think of that as a mountain. It's not like Mount Hood or Mount Rainier. We would think of it as a hill, pretty tall hill, but still a hill. Uh, it's mounded. It'd be like if you took dirt and filled a cereal bowl and then just dumped it upside down on the ground and it makes a mound. That's the shape of Mount Tabor. And it is there that Jesus is taking them and they will have this mystical experience that we call the transfiguration. Jesus is transfigured before them. He becomes white as light. And a bright light shines around them. As we heard in the gospel then, the disciples hear a voice. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is the second time that this voice has been heard in the gospels. The first time was at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. But they have, that might have very well been a private experience for Jesus. There's no indication the crowd heard that voice, said something similar, that you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Scholars say that that might very well have been news to Jesus. He didn't know that. It's hard to know what did Jesus know and when did he know it? But these incidents just don't happen. They serve a purpose. The baptism, the purpose of the voice was to tell Jesus something. Give him news. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And now we hear the voice again on Mount Tabor. But it's not addressed to Jesus this time. It's addressed to the disciples. The voice is speaking to the disciples 
This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The voice says to the disciples, listen to him. So he's, the voice isn't addressing Jesus, it's addressing the three disciples. Listen to him. There are two figures in this vision that the gospel writers describe, and that is Moses and Elijah. Don't know how they figured out who these two people were. Maybe it's the way they were dressed. Moses and Elijah were appearing with Jesus in this vision. And they're talking to him. They're having a conversation. Peter, James, and John are watching this go on, and Jesus is having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. They're just talking. Disciples are very much afraid, as they are many times in the gospel in dealing with Jesus. And the cloud comes over them, they hear the voice, and then all of a sudden they look up and everything is gone. Everything is back to the way it was, and Jesus is standing there. He touches them and tells them to get up and don't be afraid. This was a huge event, huge event. They saw Jesus just for a moment in all his glory. It would be as if the angels came and ripped a little hole in reality that you could see as a screen. They ripped a little hole in it, and all this bright light shone through in the reality of heaven. It showed Jesus for a moment who he was, and then the hole's closed, white light's gone. Father Raymond Brown, who's a Sulpician priest and a very famous Bible scholar, once uh, said in a presentation that I listened to when I was in the seminary that his reading of this account of the transfiguration is that Moses and Elijah serve a very definite purpose. There's a reason they are there talking to Jesus, because they have been sent by the Father to give Jesus news that Jesus did not know at that moment. But now he has the news. They come and tell him, what does the Father want? What's going to happen? That's why at the end of this experience, they're coming down from the mountain and Jesus says, don't tell anyone about this vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Disciples say, what? They don't know what that means. It's a foreign concept to them, being raised from the dead. The reason Jesus says that, Father Brown says, is that he's just found it out himself. This is news to him. What's happening is that Moses and Elijah are telling Jesus, okay, the Father's calling you to Jerusalem, so get going. <clears throat> you're going to go to Jerusalem, you're going to die there, you're going to suffer, but then you will be raised on the third day, raised from the dead. So Jesus is sharing that with them as something he just found out. And then that's exactly what happens. They go to Jerusalem, <clears throat> Jesus is crucified, has a horrible death, dies on the cross. But in three days, the Spirit comes to roll aside the stone and bring Jesus to new life, raise him from the dead. 
And so the Gospels present these two events, and they are interrelated. One, transfiguration, Jesus in all his glory. Second one, crucifixion, horrible way to die. And what the Gospels do then is merge them, merge them into one image, transformation, transfiguration, death on the cross. And then Jesus is presented in the Gospels as reigning from the cross, because in the eyes of the early church, those two events come together. Jesus on the mountain, Moses and Elijah and the three disciples, and then he's on Calvary. It's not a mountain, it was a hill. But the two come together so that Jesus is experiencing his death in a way that relates to the transfiguration. We too are called to be transfigured. We're called to be transfigured as disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus was a disciple of the Father. Jesus never asked us to do something he wouldn't do. He's a disciple of the Father and he's called to fulfill the Father's will. So we're called by Jesus as his disciples to do the Father's will, just like he did. But we do it differently. We're called to live it, not to die it, but to live it. Live it as how we spend our lives, how we treat other people, how we uh, develop our relationship with God in a very personal level, how we reach out to others. We're shining lights in a culture that lives in darkness. St. Peter in that letter tells the community to listen to what he's saying about the transfiguration. There were witnesses. He says, we are witnesses of these things. There were three of them. The law said you had to have at least two to make a factual point. In this case, they have three, so they have more than enough. They're witnesses, this really happened. And we're called then, as Jesus is revealed as the Father's Son in this transfiguration. So we too are called to be revealed as children of God. St. Peter says, it's as if there's, you're living in a dark room just pitch black, you can't see your hand in front of your face, then suddenly there's a lamp. A lamp and it's lit. And in that darkness, he says, I want you to listen to what I'm saying in a very attentive way that you would look at that flame. You would look at that light. Because someday, the dawn will come. Won't need the lamp. It's light. And Jesus, who is the light, who is the morning star, rises in our hearts. That occurs because we're living out Jesus' life each day. We don't live in darkness. We show the light. We show the light of Jesus by how we live. And so we too then, at the end of our lives, we too experience the light coming, the dawning, 
dawn of the day. Don't need the lamp anymore because we have Jesus as a morning star rising in our hearts. And that is another beautiful homily from Father Bill Moissant, pastor at Resurrection Church in Tualatin. If you would like to listen to that homily again or any of our great locally produced shows, head over to MatraDayRadio.com. You can see all of the podcasts there on the homepage. You can also get the full program schedule. Of course, you also have access to all that information right at your fingertips on the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Hi, my name is Will Detheridge. I grew up going to St. Juan Diego and Holy Trinity in Portland, and I'm a young entrepreneur. My company, Catholics for Hire, helps bring the church into the digital world. Inspired by Blessed Carlo Acutis, Catholics for Hire creates websites, videos, podcasts, and other digital resources to help you evangelize. We also produce print media, such as bulletins, manage social media, and assist with online advertising. Our mission is to get parishes, nonprofits, and even businesses connected to talented young Catholic professionals across the country. If you're looking for a new website, a podcast producer, a newsletter redesign, or more, check out our website at catholicsforhire.com. We ask you to join us in asking our patron to pray for the new evangelization across digital media. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. Are you searching for stories of how God is transforming lives in profound and creative ways? Do you want to be inspired to join the mission of evangelization? I'm Miriam Marston, host of Blazing the Trail, and each week through interviews, scripture, and song, we explore what it looks like to share the gospel with courage and hope. Please join me on Wednesdays and Sundays at 7.30 p.m. right here on Mater Day Radio or anytime on materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. They're not baristas, but they do serve up a good cup of joy. It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. And it is 826 at Mater Day Radio. Well, driving carefully on Portland area roadways. We'll have the story for you in the news. And 78 years after the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, Archbishop Aitchin of Seattle joins in a pilgrimage of peace. I'll have an update for you from that journey. Here is Taylor Tripodi, Be Glorified. We are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
That is Taylor Tripodi and Be Glorified. It is 8.30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. On the 78th anniversary of the 1945 atomic bombing of Hiroshima, Archbishop Paul Aitchin and the Pilgrimage of Pete delegation from the Seattle and Santa Fe Archdiocese participated in an interfaith prayer ceremony and a peace memorial ceremony. Archbishop Aitchin wrote on his blog about the interfaith ceremony at the Atomic Bomb Memorial Mound that was led by the Hiroshima Prefecture Federation of Religions. It was hard to fathom, he wrote, that with just one bomb, this entire city, along with some 140,000 people, died as a result, far more than the tens of thousands gathered this morning to remember them. Since the bombing on August 6, 1945, many more people have died from radiation poisoning and other illnesses because of the bomb, and survivors still carry physical and psychological wounds, the Archbishop said. The Pilgrimage of Peace seeks to establish relationships with the bishops of Japan to work towards abolition of nuclear weapons while expressing our heartfelt sorrow for the devastating experiences endured by their nation, according to the official pilgrimage site. Well, city and county officials are imploring people to please drive carefully on Portland area roadways as the number of fatalities are fast approaching record levels. At a gathering in front of Portland City Hall yesterday, City Commissioner Mingus Mapp said July set a 10-year record for deaths in one month with 13, with 44 traffic deaths so far this year compared to 39 by the same time in 2022, Portland is on track to exceed last year's record-setting death toll, according to Portland Police Sergeant Ty Angstrom. Pedestrian fatalities have driven much of the increase in traffic deaths since the pandemic, officials said, with a record 28 pedestrian deaths last year, nearly double the pedestrian deaths in 2018. Angstrom said the city is ramping up traffic enforcement with more staff now on the traffic division, reversing some of the drastic cuts made during the pandemic. And this week, Clark County Public Works is launching its campaign about driving safely in road workway zones. The campaign is part of a pilot project that will test several strategies to share work zone safety messages with drivers. Staff have been reporting an increasing number of incidents, including collisions and near collisions, while they are working in construction zones and on county roads. In one recent incident, an employee was struck and dragged by a car as the driver recklessly drove through a road construction site. Echoing staff experiences, national, state, and local data shows that traffic collisions, especially in work zones, are on the rise. To encourage safe driving in work zones, Public Works is reminding drivers to check their route for delays before heading out onto the roads. Expect delays and identify an alternate route. Please be patient. Keep their distance from other vehicles. Slow down and pay attention. The top three causes of work zone collisions are following too close, excessive speed, and distracted driving. And they ask you to also follow instruction of all signage and flagging in and near work zones. Drivers should also remember that traffic fines double 
in work zones. You know, this time of year, there's so many construction projects going on, road work going on, that you just have more people out Mm -hmm. doing road work. And so you have to be super careful. And we do do that all the time now. We'll check our route to see if there's construction going on. Those are all up to date. And I mean, it's it's a combination. There are more people on the road because it is summertime. The heat is, you know, starting to get at people and that can be a little Mm -hmm. bit off putting. And then you're right. The extra road construction that's going on because we got to get this work done before it starts raining again. Exactly. Well, at least 21, 21 marine animals have washed ashore dead throughout the San Francisco Bay Area in the last week. Potential victims of the return of the same toxic red tide that killed thousands of fish in the region last year. An algae expert in the Bay Area says the red tide is associated with the same algae bloom that was the culprit behind last year's event. So far, people have observed dead marine animals in multiple areas, including the Berkeley Marina and Albany Beach, as well as several other locations. The carcasses reported so far include sturgeons, bat rays, Chinook salmon, and striped bass. Algae blooms produce a toxin that is deadly to fish and other marine animals. As the blossom spreads, bacteria in the water consume the algae. The process depletes the water of oxygen, which risks suffocating fish and other creatures. Scientists are optimistic this year's algae bloom will not be as severe as last year's, but it's still early. Oregon lawmakers okayed a $90 million cost overrun for a massive capital renovation project this year, ratcheting up spending by nearly 25%. Since 2016, lawmakers have embarked on a systematic overhaul of the aging state house, paid for with tax revenues that have consistently exceeded economists' expectations. The first two phases tackled outdated building systems, updated entrances to be more accessible for people with disabilities, and took steps to seismically retrofit the building's office wings. Last year, lawmakers approved a third phase of the project, by far the most ambitious and expensive. It will secure the main piece of the Capitol in case of an earthquake and add sprinkler systems and more. The project managers say there's no single reason why this phase of the project has ballooned in costs. Documents submitted to state budget writers show inflation has taken a large bite, more than $27 million of the $90 million increase. Just as it has with all construction projects, other rate increases in Oregon's new paid leave program have tacked on millions more. I know the state capitol very well. Do you? I used to cover the legislature back in the day. And so you walk in and you have the big rotunda area. Then on one side is the Senate chambers. On the other side is the legislative chambers. And then you have these two long wings on each side. One wing is for the legislature, the lawmakers. The other long wing is the Senate. Okay. The, the Senate lawmakers. Then you go downstairs, and downstairs is the old cafe area for, uh, you know, to mm-hmm. whatever, eat, have, have a coffee, beverage. whatever. And then on the other end of the downstairs is the big media room area. Okay. And so it's kind of spread out that way. And I haven't been in there in a while to see if they've changed if it's changed much at Not all. To, but, uh, you haven't been in there since they revoked your press pass, <laughs> was it? Yes, exactly. That's right. 
Uh, in sports, just a few weeks to go before the college football season kicks off, but the first official national rankings have been released in the USA Today coaches poll. Both the Ducks, the Beavers, and the Huskies are in the top 25. In fact, Washington Huskies ranked 11th. Uh, Oregon comes in at 15th. Oregon State is 18th. Other Pac-12 teams in the top 25 include USC at 6th, and UCLA is in the other votes, as is Washington State. So a lot of representation there by uh, what is going to be formally the Pac-12, because it's... (laughs) It's not still not looking good. Yeah, it's after this season, uh, that's about going to do it for the Pac-12, sadly. But uh, don't, don't get me started. Okay. Yes, thank you. Well, many Catholics are aware that May is the month dedicated to Our Lady, and October has a dedication to the Holy Rosary. Fewer realize that August is specifically dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, a central devotion theme of the Fatima message. Even before the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to the young seers, Jacinta, Francisco, and Lucia, they already had an inkling of this devotion in the mysterious words of the angel of Portugal during his first apparition in the spring of 1916. He taught them the pardon prayer. And when this was finished, he said, pray thus, the hearts of Jesus and Mary are attentive to the voice of your supplications. Later in her memoirs, Lucia said that these words were so powerful that they were engraved on their minds to such an extent that they could never forget them. Therefore, she and her cousins did everything they could to pray earnestly to the two hearts, intuitively recognizing that this is a devotion which has a very important role in the life of the church. During the second apparition on June 13, 1917, the Blessed Virgin told Lucia that God wished to establish devotion to her Immaculate Heart throughout the world, a point she repeated during the July apparition. She then promised salvation to whoever embraced this devotion to the extent that such souls would be dear to God like flowers put by her to adorn his throne. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. Beginning this Friday, running to Sunday is a true devotion to Mary, silent retreat at Mount Angel Abbey. A Marian retreat walking with Mary from Bethlehem to Calvary will be a spiritual and contemplative retreat centered on growing in devotion and love for our Blessed Mother, the ever-Virgin Mary, who leads us faithfully to her Son and Lord Jesus Christ. The retreat master will be... Brother Louis de Montfort. Remember, you can find details on these and other events. Head over to the community calendar, materdayradio.com, and the Hail Mary media app. I missed one team in the top 25, uh, oh. Pac 12 team Utah. Are they in there? 14th. Number 14? Yeah. All right. There you go. So didn't want to be go without that. Oh, that's so, right. You got to be uh, fair across the board. Be right across the board, everyone. Uh, you know what? It's Tuesday. So and that I know means, what that means. That means it's Tech Tuesday. Sarah going to join us right after the forecast. 
Support for Matraday Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Christopher Minutes, thoughts on making every day count. I'm Tony Rossi. Nathaniel Moore was one of the many college graduates in 2020 that had a virtual commencement ceremony due to the pandemic. A physician's assistant at the University of Vermont Medical Center the 30-year-old became concerned at the lack of protective gowns for frontline workers. He then came up with an idea called Gowns for Good, where graduates could donate their gowns to frontline workers in need. So many contributions poured in that he had to create a GoFundMe to cover the shipping and handling costs. Moore also used the tagline, Wear the Cap, Donate the Gown, on a sticker he designed that could be affixed to the graduates' caps. He told CNN, they can signify their effort and show they did something great with their gown. This message was brought to you by the Christophers. Thanks for listening, and remember that it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Support from Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Blessings from Heaven, the peaceful place to shop for all things Catholic. Blessings from Heaven has a variety of gifts for all occasions and many other Catholic items to choose from. Located on the corner of 3rd and Southwest Tucker Avenue in Beaverton, Blessings from Heaven is open Tuesday through Saturday. For more information, call 503-644-1814. As we surpass three decades of broadcasting, all of us at Mater Dei Radio are thankful for the many blessings this special radio ministry provides to our Catholic community. To ensure that our faith continues to thrive in today's media, we hope you will consider including Mater Dei Radio in your estate planning. There are many estate planning options to choose from, but one way would be to include Mater Dei Radio as a beneficiary in your will. More information on estate planning is on our website at materdayradio.com. And it is. What time is it? 8.44 already. Look at that. Just That's flying right. through the morning. you got to be there by 9. you got uh, 16 minutes to get there. That's right. Uh, Going to see sunshine later today. A few morning clouds. High of 85 predicted. Mostly clear tonight. Low of 62. And then just a slight chance of a shower actually for Wednesday with a high of 80. Currently, it is 66 degrees at the St. Vincent de Paul Center in Vancouver. And it is 66 degrees at St. Anthony's in Tigard. We had to pull her away from the kitchen table and all of the Rice Krispie treats that are still there from yesterday. Too late, I ate them all. Sarah (laughs) Kenzie joining us today for a Tech Tuesday. Every Tuesday afternoon, Mater Day Radio, we send an email to our supporters, just giving them an update on some of the things that we've been working on, some of our locally produced show updates and highlights, and some of the things happening on the Hail Mary Media app. Sarah joining us today for another great great installment of 
Tech Tuesday. Tech Tuesday. How are you today? I'm great, especially, you know, with those Rice Krispie treats uh, that someone dropped off yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) We are so very grateful. This happened uh, a couple months ago when Deacon Justin came in. He said, here's a gift from my mom. And so we (laughs) knew that we had to get Lily in here. So that way we had another opportunity to get some Rice Krispie treats. She did not fail. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. And then Aaron brought in these huge chocolate chip cookies. Yes. Amazing. Although Brenda tried to keep all of them for herself. <laughs> well, I do believe that I have, I get a lion's share of those Rice Krispie treats because yeah. it was on me. It was a great opportunity yesterday. In fact, in our first hour, in case you missed it, uh, the Echeverias, the whole family was together. We had the siblings on the phone, Lily and Rick Echeverria, parents of Deacon Justin in the station. We had an incredible conversation. You're going to be including that in in today's email. Yes, uh, that was such a special interview, Brenda. I mean, all summer you've been doing these wonderful interviews with Deacon Justin. Um, but yesterday I got to just be in the studio. I was taking some photo and video and uh, just watching your conversation with them was so powerful. And I just can't wait for all of you to hear it. So yes, if you missed it earlier this morning, uh, check your email because uh, we'll be sending that interview as well. You know, he's heading to Rome here in several weeks, and so we were fortunate enough to have our correspondent at World Youth Day, Bernadette, was giving us reports. Now we have to get our correspondent in Rome, in Deacon Justin. I like that idea. I like where you're going with that, David. (laughs) I know. So what's about an eight-hour, I think about an eight-hour time difference. Something like that. Yeah, so... I think they're eight hours ahead of us, so whatever that is in the afternoon, evening there. So that would work perfectly for the morning blend. I like that idea. Yeah. So many great locally produced shows happen right here at Mater Day Radio. One of those, one of our, our top downloaded shows, Voice of the Shepherd. We're so fortunate that we have an archbishop and we have an auxiliary archbishop that makes time to be on the radio. It's a wonderful way that they think they can reach so many more people. And of course, that wonderful show, Voice of the Shepherd, hosts Dana Marie with Archbishop Sample, and she's been able to spend time also with Bishop Peter Smith, and that's what they'll hear in this week's episode. Tell us more. Yes, so this week's episode that is uh, being released today, uh, you can also tune in tonight to hear that as well, um, is with Bishop Smith, and it's all about the Eucharist. And uh, what a fitting topic to learn about and reflect on during this time of Eucharistic revival where we all are called to really deepen our devotion to Christ in the Eucharist. And um, so it's just a great discussion of, you know, what does it mean that the Eucharist is the living bread? Uh, What is kind of the meaning of sacrifice, uh, both kind of in a historical sense and also in our faith? Um, and, And just why the Eucharist is the center of our faith. And so uh, please listen to that. I, I think it's just so important that we all uh, take you know time and we're very intentional about doing what we can to deepen our devotion to the Eucharist. Sarah Kenzie is our digital media manager here at Mater Dei Radio. She's joining us for 
Attack Tuesday. It's an email coming to your inbox this afternoon. So, Sarah, we were just talking about Deacon Justin, the Echeverri, is here uh, in studio yesterday. He's heading back to Rome. But did you know that he spent many years in seminary at Mount Angel Abbey? Yes, and that's he used right. to, his mom was telling us that he used to bring seminarians that were there home on the weekends. They'd taken a Jesuit high school football game and then <laughs> Lily would feed everybody. It's a rich history that they are part of at Mount Angel Abbey and Mater Day Radio. We are in an attempt to bring awareness of the history of that with a new podcast and another great episode. That's right. So uh, we just uh, earlier this summer launched a new podcast called The History and Tradition of Mount Angel Abbey. And uh, Pat, our executive director, hosts that with Brother Cyril, who is uh, the historian at Mount Angel Abbey. And so we just released episode two yesterday. Um, so you really want to go listen to this. Uh, it really covers the time during the Depression and World War II, which was just fascinating. And you learn about so many, you know, interesting monks during that time, you know, who really holy men who really helped uh, Mount Angel go through that, you know, very tumultuous time in history. Um, speaking of the seminary, though, there's a lot of really interesting information about how that developed. I mean, now everyone knows Mount Angel as a seminary as well, but that's not how it started. And actually, I thought of you, Brenna, because there was a connection to St. Martin's as well. And really, yes. And they also have a they have a daughter house that also helped, you know, helped form men for the priesthood. And it's it's very interesting to see how that came about. And so it's kind of in the early stages during this time period. Uh, There's also a fun uh, story about a famous uh, Von Trapp family visit. Uh, So you'll have to go listen to that episode to hear that. And I just love this uh, podcast so much. I, you know, grew up in Mount Angel or around Mount Angel, and there's a lot of things I didn't know. So I'm learning a lot. So I encourage you all to go listen to episode two and maybe episode one if you haven't heard it already. You know, speaking of Mount Angel, we're just about a month away from the Mount Angel Oktoberfest. Oh, David, I know. I was at a wedding this weekend, and the chicken dance came on. Ah. And I said, we have to do this. No st- you know, no leaving the dance floor. We are doing the chicken dance. I got to get in shape for Oktoberfest. So. <laughs> That's great. I-, I mentioned that, too, because on Thursday, we're going to have uh, Monica Boxler on. That's right. To talk awesome. about uh, Oktoberfest, give you a little preview of that coming up. So uh, we'll look forward to talking with Monica as we typically do this time of year. Give us a little insight into what's happening with the Oktoberfest. But it's always fun and, you know, just as part of Mount Angel, the history there and I got. I think the Oktoberfest coming up on sixty something years, as I recall. I think it's something like that. Yes. Something like that. And so. actually, yeah, they uh, there's an online poll going on uh, about which Oktoberfest is best in the United States. So I voted yesterday Ooh, for that. Nice. Oh well, man, we all know that we don't even have to go to other Oktoberfest. We know that we got the best one right here in town. I'm going to find that website and start voting. And be stay tuned here at Matra Day Radio because last year, Siri, you took me down for opening day at Oktoberfest. I had a grand old time, David. So, <laughs> I know you did, uh, yes. <laughs> we're going to do that again this year, so it should be a, a whole lot of fun. Sarah, it's always a great opportunity to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us on Tuesday. We look forward to today's email. Thank you. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist. 
Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Greetings and blessings to all of you listening to Mater Day Radio. Join me, Father Gabriel Mosier, and other listeners of Mater Day Radio as we pray the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Mount Hood Hospice. For more than 40 years, Mount Hood Hospice has been serving those in their final stages of life with loving care in East Multnomah and Clackamas counties. With a compassionate medical and spiritual support team, hospice services are provided wherever the patient lives. With the top listing on Medicare's Care Compare, information online at mounthoodhospice.org. I am Father Cedric Bizenia. I'm a passionist, religious, and a Catholic priest, and the host of Live With Passion. My motto is touching lives and saving souls. I hope you will tune in each week on Modern Day Radio, Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. It's designed to inspire and encourage you. It's real practical. Talk about real-life issues, things that people are going through. I'm so grateful that you're listening to Modern Day Radio. Don't just live, live with passion. It's joy. It's inspiration. It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. And it is 855 at Mater Day Radio. One last look at your forecast this morning. Becoming sunny later today. High of 85 degrees. Mostly clear overnight tonight. Low of 62. And then just a slight chance of a shower for Wednesday, Wednesday evening. High of 80 tomorrow. And then uh, mostly sunny again for Thursday. We start to warm up as we head toward the end of the week. It's currently 66 degrees in the Rose City. And closing out our show today, this is Unspoken with Reason. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio. This year's felt like four seasons of winter and you'd give anything to feel the sun. Always reaching, always climbing, always second guessing the timing. But God has a plan, a purpose in this. You are his child, and don't you forget. He put that hunger in your heart. He put that fire in your soul. His love is the reason to keep on believing. When you feel like giving up, when you feel like giving in, His love is the reason to keep on believing. If we 
on everything Every hour, every minute, every second He's always been in it Don't let a shadow of a doubt take hold Unspoken and Reason. It's 8.59 at Mater Day Radio. And thank you so much for tuning in to the Morning Blend on this Tuesday. We do appreciate it. David and Brenda with you back for middle of the week tomorrow. Remember, it's Zucchini Day. Okay. So have have some zucchini today. All right. I didn't grow any this year in my garden, but if I find some on my front porch today, I'll know why. <laughs> That's right. It's actually National Give Your Neighbor Some Zucchini Day today. Okay. Or something so, like that. Something something yeah. similar to that. Share the wealth. That's right. You I have like zucchini it. in the garden. <laughs> Give it away. That is going to wrap it up for us on the morning. Blend. It is Tuesday, Voice of the Shepherd. We were just talking about that. Dina Marie joining by with Bishop Peter Smith this right. time around. That's going to wrap it up for us. We hope you have a blessed day.